Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agent Through Revolution, and today, delighted once again to be your podcast host, broadcasting from the Casita and the remote foothills of the Sonoran Desert. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution creators of the most powerful marketing and communication software built specifically to meet the needs of insurance agencies and brokerages. If you believe that the relationship you have with your clients is the heart of your business, you do, right? (laughs) Then you need to see how Agency Revolution can make those relationships stronger and longer. Visit agencyrevolution.com to receive a free demo of their award-winning software today. So, um, thrilled again to be able to uh, introduce this conversation to you with my guest, Brian Falchek, uh, author, speaker, coach. Brian is the founder and managing partner of Insurance Evolution Partners, which advises carriers and their partners on how to navigate an evolving industry facing disruption and change. Okay, so if you're thinking, oh, it's for carriers. No, the, um, Uh, What I really enjoyed about this conversation was that you are going to get um, as as accurate a broad view of the changes that are happening in the industry um, as I think you'll get. Plus, uh, look, Brian's been around for a while. You're going to get, and I, I, I steer him there, but he went there quite gracefully and intelligently to uh, a practical series of how-tos and, and how agency principals and agencies should respond strategically now to the changes that are happening. So, so you're around later and you're thriving later. Brian spent 20 years in the insurance industry, including serving as head of claims for Hiscox USA and leading growth for InsurTech communication solution, High Marley. Brian's also held leadership roles in corporate strategy, operations, and distributions at carriers like Liberty Mutual and Beasley. He was a consultant in McKinsey & Company's insurance practices and is on the advisory boards of several startups focused on the insurance industry. He's a best-selling author, public speaker, including several TEDx talks. His new book, The Future of Insurance from Disruption to Evolution, shares case studies of seven carriers who overcame the barriers to change that we all face, we all face in the industry to innovate and evolve in the face of the disruptive threat of a new generation of startup carriers. So um, not much more to say. I'm going to bring you right into the contribution. He introduces himself quite well. Uh, I I took tons of notes in this conversation. I thought that this was a super robust conversation with somebody who's clearly paying close attention to our industry and has insightful, intelligent observations that I think everybody should be listening to. 
Um, before I go, once again, connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter. Uh, let's be buds and stay in touch with each other. And I'll make sure you don't miss out on any of the groovy, juicy stuff that's coming down the pike. By the way, uh, I have a, I've got a really great pipeline of uh, guests that are now coming into this podcast series. I don't have to look far to find them. Um, interviewing, um, well, <laughs> there, are, there are just a lot of great guests coming down the pike. Uh, some of you will know um, having my... Uh, I, by the way, uh, you may get some sense in the podcast that I, I know the people that I'm talking to. Uh, frequently, I do. Frequently, have a, we do have a long-term business relationship. I've also been in the industry for a long time. Uh, but I never go into a podcast cold. Uh, I always make sure if somebody jumps into my pipeline and they want to participate in this podcast series, we spend lots of time together long before we schedule the podcast itself. And so... Uh, I've got a couple of those coming up tomorrow. So these, I don't know when I'm going to record the actual podcast, but probably fairly soon. Uh, a lot of you who are serious marketers will under uh, will appreciate this name, Dr. Robert Cialdini, the author of the book Influence: The New Psychology of Persuasion of Modern Persuasion, and uh, <clears throat> the author of several other books as well, all in the area of influence and persuasion. Um, I've known uh, Dr. Cialdini for 10 or 15 years. He was um, my keynote speaker at a boot, one of our boot camps many, many years ago. That's coming up. Also, Jay Weintraub, the uh, co-founder and CEO of InsureTech Connect. Uh, that's going to be a really fascinating conversation. Well, for lots of reasons. So in any case, <clears throat> without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with my guest today. Brian Falchuk. Brian Falchuk, how are you? I'm doing well, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, I'm excited about the conversation. So um, our listeners may not know you as well as perhaps I do or others do. So, you know, let's dive into how you got to be in the position you're in and what it is that you're up to these days. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm a PNC industry vet person. I don't know what the right term is, but I've been in it for a little while. I spent 20 years in the industry from large carriers uh, to small specialists, and I did some consulting at McKinsey for a while. Um, so I got to see lots of different carriers across yeah. the Yeah. Yeah. When you were at McKinsey, were you in the insurance division? I was. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. I uh, knew yeah, I wasn't I'm... I wasn't going to be a lifer there, so I wanted to you know, have as much impact and move as quickly as possible. So that Yeah. Meant even so, though, they, they do some really interesting work. I'm curious, when was that? I was there from 2000, uh, 2005 through the end of 07. Okay, so uh, relatively short. I think it was after that they came out with the, oh, and the industry became as, came known as the McKinsey Report, and everybody was all, you know, um, a flutter about it and, it, you know, created a bit of a kerfuffle uh, when they were predicting the end of the agent, largely. <laughs> I just had a conversation about that this morning. No uh, way. People yeah, are yeah. still talking about that besides me. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 and, so, <laughs> well, and we talked about that at Hiscox, which is the you know the the last place I was on the carrier side before going on to the insurtech side was running claims for Hiscox in the U.S. And that report <clears throat> called out Hiscox in particular. Oh, I didn't know. For, that. Yeah, yeah. So, I didn't you know, recall. we we uh -huh. were the first ones into the uh, you know the direct side of small commercial and specialty lines, and it was like, but of course that won't last long. Everyone's going to be there, and. That was uh, right around our 10th year in the U.S. And, you know, it wasn't until like our 12th or so that anyone started to come in. And it's still not really 
direct by any, you know, any large share of the market? Um, well, that's a fascinating topic. I didn't intend to get into this at all, but I, I, I felt that there was um, a lot of uh, poignant observations in the report, but I think history shows that it perhaps had some flaws in its conclusions. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, what it, what it said was the agency channel is effectively dead and it's a, a matter of time. That was the big takeaway. And that's not accurate. Yeah, um, no, I think I think they were dead wrong. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I do think that they pointed out some f- uh, flaws, um, maybe some inherent, like baked in uh, deficiencies in the agency system. Yeah. That, yeah. that pointed out some weaknesses. So, yeah, what what, what do you think? What uh, you're you're reasonably <laughs> bullish about the agency system. I think, you know, as long as I've been in insurance, the agent and broker channel has been predicted to die. And um, so I, I'm I'm kind of jaded on that. I think it's a fashionable thing to cry. I mean, I started in 2000 when the internet was just starting to hit us and online quoting was becoming a thing, you know, sort of like renters had already gone online and now people are playing around with auto. And so the, the prediction was it's the end of, of any human intermediated distribution. Of course, you know, the direct writers, uh, Geico and Progressive were getting really big on their advertising. So, well, they got big too. They didn't just have big advertising. <laughs> they, got, they, got, they got big and they spent to get there. Yeah. <laughs> you look at the trend line of their right, growth. Right. Uh, and so, so to some extent, um, you know, the agency channel has suffered and, and lost market share in some critical areas like personal lines. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, but the yeah, complete disintermediation of the agency that that didn't happen. And that's not happened. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that's not really the, the topic of our conversation for the most part, I don't think. No. But uh, but, I, you know, I'd, I had felt tell me what you think of that. I'd felt that um, the one of the deficiencies in the agency system was that, boom, on one hand, the promise is we're going to be in a relationship with you and take care of you. But uh, on the other hand, the commissions that support our ability to be in relationship with you are insufficient. Yeah. Yeah. And so 10 years ago, we started an insure tech to strengthen and deepen, like basically to automate those parts of the relationship that can be automated to free up the human for the, you know, for the advocacy, the expertise and, and the advice. Right. So, so right. I, th- I think to some extent, some insure techs have solved some of the deficiencies that were baked into the problem. And what we thought was going to happen was that the tech, insure tech or technology was going to um, obliterate the system. Yeah. Okay, that's not a bad historical overview. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you got it. And look, like like pretty much every job out there, how much does the way that's job that job is done today look exactly like it was done five, ten years ago, or whatever? And I've said that anytime you know I've had a, a team on the midst of some technology being implemented, and and you can see, you know, I ran ops for uh, for the U.S. for a carrier called Beasley, and we were putting in a new core system and. A lot of my back office folks who were there because our systems were really in, inefficient and incapable, um, mm-hmm. they were scared. You know, what does yeah. that mean for me? You're not going to need all the Excel workarounds and offline stuff going on anymore. And the reality is, um, you know, while while what you do will be different, this should help us grow faster. 
because we were constrained by our processing capabilities. We were growing right. so fast, but not as fast as we could. So it's not about laying off half the team because technology took your job. It's about growing and changing. And, you know, no one's job looked like it did when they started if they had been there for more than a couple of years. So this uh-huh. is change and this is about <laughs> finding new ways to do the same thing. Um, well, to wrap up this part of the conversation, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think that there are, um, you know, if we look to the future, we probably, we need to make some strategic decisions. This, yeah. this, the agency channel needs to make some strategic decisions. And yeah. it seems to me, okay, you know, and, and the, like we're, if the core of strategy is to answer in my model, it's two questions, where are we going to play and how are we going to win? The, where are we going to play question is of paramount importance. And um, I think if we look at the confluence of the rise of uh, the millennial and uh, the adjacent generations that are comfortable with self-service and financial services, hence comfortable with self-service and insurance, and increasingly so. And uh, on the other hand, um, the development of technologies that continue to satisfy that capacity then you know uh, 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 um, then we see that potentially there are some danger areas which would be uh, I would think for the most part the down market the uh, the the most simplistic policies and coverages and protection <clears throat> that that that's probably uh, an area in the future that has um, oh you know the, the tilts away from success yeah Thoughts? yeah okay yeah. No, right. I would agree with that. Okay, fair enough. I don't. I, <clears throat> that's. I mean, some people think I'm being awfully controversial about that. I, I don't think so. I think we need to, you know, unless unless an agency has a really short or an agency owner has a short strategic horizon, like they're thinking of selling in the next three years. <clears throat> those those who uh, have uh, the intent to operate in this space for ten years. Ten years is a long time. Very long. Um, then, yeah, we, we want to look for those areas where there is um, support for what we do and probably avoid those areas where there's, um, oh, you know, it's kind of a red ocean, right? There, where there's, a, you know, bloody water, so to speak. So, yeah. all right. <laughs> so um, this is the part of the conversation where I'm supposed to be asking you what your background <laughs> and history is. But when you, when you said McKinsey, I had to jump into that. I yeah. That was, no, yeah, no, that's fascinating. Fine. So you were, yeah, so you did a little stint there. Uh, you were with Hiscox. Yeah. Um, and I, so I interrupted you. What else have you been up No, to? no. So, um yeah, I mean, after McKinsey, I went to Beasley for a number of years and was there mm-hmm. when we were creating the modern cyber policy, which is a really cool thing to be there for. Ah, yeah, um, okay, got it. And so and, that's a growth. So, so that's that that that's a growth area. That's an area where agents should be um, paying more attention to moving into more. You think? Yeah, I think that um, brokers have done a really good job with that. It's uh, it's not. It's not been as successful on the agency side because of the nature of what it is and what it tends to go with. It tends to be the kind of thing that agents kick over to the broker channel, um, you know, in the wholesale mm-hmm. side, especially, or, or in the larger risk retail brokers. Yeah. But um, cyber, is, cyber is here. You know, it was a question for a while. It took several buying cycles for people to get it, but it's situated right. now. It still has yeah. lots more growth to go, but it's not a flash in the pan. It's not a, well, maybe this is a thing kind of you know, path. Uh, and there, there is a gap between, um, or the, you know, product development and market readiness. Yeah. 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 And, and I think some agents fell into that gap. 
Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. <laughs> okay. So I think you wrote a book. Yeah, I did. I've written a couple uh, or a few, but um, the one that brings me here today is uh, called The Future of Insurance from Disruption to Evolution. And I wrote it on the back of after my carrier experience, I went to an insure tech service provider, the communications solution provider that enables carriers and their partners and agents and brokers. Um, and uh, in that capacity, I was running sales for them. I kept having the same conversation with every carrier I went to. And it was this sense of, uh, you know, it's like everything on the outside has moved forward and our customers are not just expecting more, but demanding more from us and we're stuck and we can't keep up with that. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. And, so uh, yeah. so let, let me just, uh, yeah, let, jump me in. Let, me, let me interrupt you again. Um, uh, so is your sense that, um, well, the consumer's just ahead of us, right? And, and, and other industries and contemporary technologies have brought them there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everything, everything, <laughs> literally like everything in their life. And um, it's not just the customers at the same time. You also have a new crop of startup carriers in this case, which is not something we've had before, but we've had startup carriers before, but not this kind. These are tech enabled, you know, started by software engineers, not by insurance executives. Yeah, um, that is different. It's um, very different. I, I, I think it was this morning I saw, well, you know, maybe it was Morgan Stanley's assessment of uh, il, uh, Lemonade's, uh, you know, uh, their their future. I think they were predicting profitability, was it? And, you know, like by 2030. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, wow, that, maybe. Yeah, that, 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 maybe. Right. That's a, that's a long wait for, you know, the, their their funders. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, so yeah. so so when you say. Oh, you know, um, tech, like uh, insurance carriers started by tech, not started by insurance. Right. That that comes to mind? Um, lemonade. Lem lemonade always comes to everyone's mind. <laughs> I I actually take a different position and I don't want to get into Lemonade too much, but Fair I think enough. they're- yeah, okay. no, they're 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 the poster child. I think they've done a great job of keeping their name front and center in the conversation. Um you know, it's like it Uber in every other part of the world or every other part of the economy. It's the Uber of it's you know, the blank Uber industry. Of. Yeah. Le in insurance, it's the lemonade of. You okay. Know, so <laughs> well, everyone, I, I, thought, yeah. I thought lemonade was the Uber of or you know, the Uber of insurance. Lemonade's the Uber of insurance, but <laughs> like, everything like how, in insurance. How, how, is how long can yeah. you go and not be profitable? Right, right. Yeah. Um, I forget exactly. I should have saved that numbers. I didn't think that it would come up. It's like, oh, underwriting profitability is going to happen here, but real profitability is going to happen in here. And yeah. I thought, oh man, that's a that's a long wait, isn't it? Yeah, and we'll see what happens. But uh, and, yeah. there are, there are other startup carriers, tech enabled startup carriers that I'm I am really impressed with, whether they're viable businesses or not. Setting that aside, because there's the economics on one side, but what what a lot of these carriers have done is either met or defined or redefined the customer expectations in that piece of the puzzle, and that's the second pressure that the industry has faced. And that, that applies to agents as well. So, you know, whether it's a new trading platform or a new direct carrier, or even a new, a new agent or broker distributed carrier, but they're working in such a modern way that it blows away the way you've, you've done business before. And that's yeah. what's pushed, I think, the expectation into being demand. And so for all of the incumbent players out there, whether that's on the distribution side or the carrier side, it feels like your hands are tied 
as you face those pressures because of culture and politics and systems and regulation and all the other things that we throw out there that we say make it hard for us to keep up. Mm-hmm. But the world is really moving quickly. And, and frankly, the coronavirus just made that worse because now everyone, you know, if, if people were iffy on video conferencing or working remotely or whatever, everyone's done it now. So people are even more comfortable with digital interactions and just having things done. And they have so much more stress in their life because of the situation that anything that gets in the way of just getting problems solved stands out even further to them. So it's really, it's, it's quite a heightened customer expectation situation that the industry finds itself in. So if you were going to like uh, sum up what you think the customer is demanding, then that's your word. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make this a two-part question. You know, what do you think their demand is and what do you think the gap is between that and our industry? So I think, and, and this phrase may sound somewhat meaningless, but I think this is what they want is they want essentially real-time <clears throat> flexible solutions for what they have going on in this very moment without having to go through all the process that they expect to have to go through. All right. Uh, uh, un- unpack that one for us. R- yeah, real so, time, real time, flexible solutions for what, like what's going on with them yeah, right so now. What, whatever they're facing in the moment, whether that's I need coverage, I need this change to coverage, or I had a claim, whatever it is, I need you to help me right here and right now. So for example, if it's about life insurance, I don't want to have an initial conversation and mm-hmm. then have a follow-up interview and then fill out a bunch of forms and then have to wait for someone to come to my house, which I don't want to have happen anyway, because I don't want strangers coming into my house mm-hmm. or to have to go get blood work because doctors aren't doing blood work right now because it's only, you know, higher priority things getting done. So I don't then want to sit. I mean, I talked to a life insurer the other day who has 14,000 uh, quotes sitting stuck in underwriting because oh, of my the, goodness. Yeah, okay. the uh, <laughs> medical eval. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't want to deal with that. Uh-huh. And, and it, you know, yes, this is, a, that's an extreme example, but take it down to auto insurance, <clears throat> you know, yeah. the, all over the press about how, how, you know, the frequency of, of accidents has gone down dramatically because people aren't driving yet. We've heard that, but what happens if they do get in an accident? Cause at the same time, people are driving a lot faster than they used to. That's also been noted. That's also so true. Yeah. I was fewer there cars in the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, when you get in an accident, it's going to be more severe. So what happens to your car then if, you know, now body shops are more open than they used to be, but most of them were closed down before. So how long is that repair going to take? And you want to get a rental car. Well, the largest rental car company just went bankrupt. So that's not, that's not fun. Yeah. Um, You know, you, luckily you probably don't need alternative transportation, so you may not need the rental car, but how about getting the parts for that repair? (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. a huge backlog because the plant shut down and General Motors just came off a strike at the end of last year. So they were already dealing with parts shortages. So all of a sudden for me to deal with getting the value of the the policy I just paid for is really painful. You know, let alone like the life insurance is about getting coverage, but like here it is like something's happened to me. This is what I've been paying you all that money for all those years and never get anything back. I need you now. And you're telling me it's going to be six months till my car's back. That's, you know, so that's what people, what we are supposed to be here for people in their toughest moments. And I give lemonade credit for making it really easy to become insured. 
<laughs> they're not as good at okay. <laughs> delivering on the insurance promise. And that's, yeah. that's where uh, I, I knew, I knew you where know? you were, I knew where yeah. you were going with that. So I, I, I apologize for laughing before the punchline. No, no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure everybody knows, but it's, you know, this, this is the point is like, it's not just about the upfront sales piece or even making service simple. It's about the whole picture. And while coronavirus might be making some of these cases more extreme so they stand out yeah. more, okay. the reality is all the ways that the rest of our life has changed make it feel like so many of the little things we'd normally have to deal with day to day with insurance feel that painful. Yeah, you know, Waiting for a check or waiting for a wire transfer multiple days is like, really? Because I just got Venmoed $3,000 from someone. Like, why do I have to wait all this time for this process for you? Oh, we only do it twice a month and this person has to approve it. Like, I don't care. Give me my money. Do they mail the checks? Some still do. And, <laughs> okay, and some will mail it to the agent who then hand delivers yeah, uh, it. Uh, right. Because the agent wants to be the wants hero, be hero. Hand, hand, yeah. hand delivered. So we're going to slow it down even yeah. more. Right? So there's, a, there's a British carrier called Aviva, who's like the state farm of, of the UK. I know they're, Aviva. You know, right, yeah. So Aviva was uh, maybe the first carrier, carrier to endorse agency revolution. So I got to know them really well. So Aviva... In the midst of the first notice of loss call, so you've called in, you know, the, the first time you're calling to tell them about the loss, they can pay yeah. you while you're still on the phone. And the early feedback they got was that was too fast and it was creeping people out. But, you know, that uh, that's kind of, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm sure they got you. I don't know what's wrong with the Brits if they're like, oh, please yeah, right. don't give me my money so quickly. Yeah. But, you know, that's where we're headed to. And if you're not keeping up with that, you're going to be okay. stuck. Okay. So... When you first raised this, I thought that you were going to emphasize um, convenience. But, that's, uh, that's a piece uh, of so, it. Yeah, so let me share the model. This yeah. is a mo this model's not really mine, but I think there I do think there's tremendous value in it. This model was proposed by uh, Bain, the okay. Yep. okay, another advisory company, right? And this was based on a really a uh, um, you know they they did a terrific job. I think they surveyed like. 27,000 insurance consumers. And, and they determined that um, it seemed to me that, the, or, or it seemed uh, to them that people um, made their insurance purchasing decision and maybe to, to also to some extent, their decision to remain with a provider based on one of three values, hmm. uh, price, convenience, and peace of mind. And, and then they further determined that uh, convenience at that point, and this is uh, now six years, six years old, this report's six years old, that convenience was kind of a distant third that, uh, you know, the people who didn't, uh, who purchased insurance because they needed it, the bank required it, their, uh, yeah. you know, automo they needed it uh, by law for their automobile, you know, price was the really distinguishing feature. But then there's this other group that has assets, uh, you know, they just fit a demographic where they they care about what the insurance actually does, and they want the peace of mind. Um, and then, and then the convenience um, element seemed to emphasize speed of of being insured. Right? How quickly? How quickly can I get this taken care of? Can I do it on a Saturday? Can I do it two o'clock in the morning? Um, you know that element. Yeah. And that seemed to fall fall pretty far behind the other two values. Hmm. What do you think about that model? I think that. Uh... I don't, I don't argue against it. I think it's the <laughs> mm -hmm. word convenience though. And I know they go into more detail about it, but right. I think convenience like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's convenient to you versus me. And for one of us, it may be convenience relative to price. 
So like, I'm, you know, I'm willing to give up a little bit of ease if it saves me a few bucks. Right. So right. there's thresholds for that. It's like, you know, I did some work with, uh, with one of the agent distributed, um, homeowners and, and auto carriers while mm -hmm. a high net worth carrier. And, um, you know, of course when they lost business, the agents, oh, it's price. It's always price. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's actually never price. That's right. Right. Okay. You know, price might factor into it, but it's well, now. And, and, and when it is price, you know, the, then they probably just don't fit. Right. Don't, you know, I mean, so so to further to further um, oh, examine the model in the real world, there are channels that excel at price because they're cheaper. They're just yeah. like, you know, like the direct channel. It's just so efficient uh, that it can be a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Um, there are channels that excel at convenience. And so, you know, strong, you know, digitally driven uh, providers can provide more convenience. And yeah. then there's a channel that uh, in theory really should excel at peace of mind. And that's the agency channel. Mm. Right. I mean, you know, peace of mind. It comes from this sense that, uh, you know, I got somebody taking care of me. Right. That 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 thing that we get from humans that we tend not to get from things. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think what you're really stressing is it's not just front end convenience. It's actually as an industry delivering on the promise. Yeah. I mean, ultimately that's what the whole thing is supposed to be about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right. Um, so you, so you wrote a book. I wrote a book. Yeah. And, and, and you're, and so you're, what's your fundamental thesis in the book? So it's, it's this, uh, you know, this pressure that we face in the outside mm -hmm. relative to the internal constraints that we feel to meet those pressures. Yeah. And, and I say we without specifying, but the, the book is seven case studies of carriers uh, who have been in that situation and move forward despite that constraint. Mm -hmm. um, but while it's it uses carriers as the story basis, the reality is it really does apply quite broadly. So there are seven U.S. stories of PNC carriers, but I know life insurance people have read it. I know agents and brokers have read it. I know people mm -hmm. in other industries. Right. Ultimately, this is about not any specific technology or specific insurance problem. It's about this sense of you know different external expectation and the pressures you face inside and what do you have to do from a culture, from a values, from a leadership standpoint to move forward. Um, so, so, so it sounds like, um, the, the demand from the consumer, regardless of which category they fit into is, is they want a friction free relationship with an industry that's just been chock full of friction. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so I'm curious. So here's now, now I'm really curious. You've got seven case studies yep. uh, and these are, um, successful case studies. Yeah. And. I mean, they're successful with a bit of honesty when they struggled. Fair enough. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I say a bit because, you know, it still sounds nice overall. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the point is, this isn't like going to a conference and hearing from the carrier about how perfect everything went, because that's not very valuable. So, you know, it's, <laughs> right. okay. it's it, you know, like one of the carriers, the State Compensation Insurance Fund of California, um, they suddenly became the largest comp carrier in the country. And then a couple of years later, regulations changed again, and they suddenly became the smallest they've been in you know, memorable history. 
And uh, it's, it's, that sounds like workers' comp in California. It's a, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, but they were, I mean, they were thrust onto the national stage overnight because of some regulatory changes in the entire commercial market pulling. I was at Liberty Mutual at the time, and we were the largest comp carrier in the country when this happened. Ah, yeah. Okay. And uh, basically abandoned the California market, including an acquisition we had just made to get even bigger there. So it was quite a shock to the industry at the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, but when, when, uh, I'll, I'll say skiff because it's faster than the state compensation insurance fund. Of yeah, California. Okay. When, when skiff, uh, shrunk back down, you know, the way I had put it was, you know, the regulations changed. So competitors came in and, and they lost market share. And this is where the honesty and the stories comes out as the CEO of the company, Vern Steiner read the draft of the case. And he's like, I was expecting him, you know, to say, Ooh, can you be nicer to us here? Or, you know, can you spin this another way? Or can you not mention that thing we did? But he actually said, Brian, you're being too nice to us. We oh, didn't really? just we didn't yeah. just mit- shrink because you know others came in and were cheaper. We shrank because we didn't deserve that business in the first place because we weren't we weren't serving it the way it deserved to be served, and we paid mm-hmm. a price for that. Yeah. I was like, well, that's okay. pretty honest. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that in the book. You know, people were clear about you know we we were struggling here. We didn't do this right. We thought one thing and found out the opposite to be true. So, uh, so out of like out of these seven stories, mm-hmm. what do you? Th- what's the lesson? What what um, what will bring success to this industry? So, there's each one of the cases has its own set of takeaways, uh-huh. but then I, I look across all of them and pull out three consistent themes that okay. really stood out to me. And the three things are, if I could say them each in a word, it's customers, employees, and focus. And this I, I think really does apply to agents as well. So. Customers is that's where the answers lie. You need to ask your customers, but actually listen to what they're telling you. Don't reinterpret it or think you know better or use what they say to twist a little bit and justify something you're already doing or say, I'm too busy for that. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, this is not an industry where people care about what you're doing. Customers are, are indifferent. So if you're not right. listening to and delivering on what they told you they wanted, you're yeah. going to miss the boat. And whatever okay. you're working on instead, it's not going to move you forward. And, and so what do you, what did you see as gaps between what customers wanted and the actual behavior of carriers? Well, it, you know, it depends on the carrier and the agent and, yeah. and all kinds of things, but mm-hmm. there are several things that are pretty clear. And, you know, we mentioned the payment gap. That's, that's pretty rampant. There's some who do better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, communication is one that I think is, is amongst the worst. And the thing is, if you get that right, it can make up for pretty much every other gap because if you keep people apprised and informed proactively, <clears throat> they tend not yeah. to be as bothered by any of the other things because at least they know where they stand at all times. They don't have to sit here yeah. feeling because when you when you leave someone to their own devices in you know in a claim situation, for example, the the age old adage that your insurance company is here to screw you over, not to stand by you, that yeah. starts to set in, and the okay. silence starts to feel mm-hmm. like this must be them plotting to not cover the claim. Yeah, right, right. Okay. So <laughs> silence is really easy to interpret when you're under stress. Yeah. It's really, but also, easy, really easy to misinterpret when you're under stress. Like, Yeah. You, you start spinning a story, but you also yeah. have some carriers who are like, oh yeah, we solve for that. We're good. We send, we send text messages, but the text messages they send are totally unhelpful. Yeah. They're like, okay. I, I had a win loss and, uh, I was about to go work for a text messaging startup. And so I saw that my carrier offered texting. So I was like, I should probably do some recon and find out about it. So I opted in. The text messages were worthless. 
they came out, I would have some some new notification in my online portal, you know, to go check out. Yeah. Three days later, two to three days later, I would get a text that all it said was log into your portal. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So I'd log yeah. into the portal and see the PDF that I had already checked two days ago, thinking there was something. I mean, that's not helpful. You know, it's not it's not just a, a kind of nondescript generic, legally approved, whatever. Like I want to actually talk to someone who's going to answer my questions genuinely. But the CEO of the company is thinking, hey, we, we got text messages going out now. Send out a press release. Let's get, you know, <laughs> let's get attention for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, so I'm going to break communication down into two chunks. Yeah. Okay. Um, one, the obvious one is uh, I've filed a claim or, you know, I'm, I'm in some kind of a situation and um, I want to know what's going on. Right. Mm. And so, and in the absence of that, if there's silence, I, I create my own narrative and it's usually I'm the victim and they're screwing me over. Right. That's okay. I mean, our our industry has, um, well, it's going to, it's going to be prone to that. Okay. No, just be, you know, and, and that's even like it being totally full of good people. It's just going to be prone to that because of the mysteries behind it and the, the, the difficulty it is for consumers to frankly understand this industry. Yeah. So boom. Uh, but then there's the other kind of communication, which is um, being in relationship with your customer base in such a manner that they feel like you're a positive presence in their life, even if there is no point of stress right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, well, I've, I got a bias there because I started an insure tech to, to like to take care of certainly to take care of number two, but in, to some extent, take care of number one at the agency level. Yeah. Um, and and so it reminds me of a report I read by another advisor, EY, Ernst Young. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was in their annual global insurance outlook report. And they reported again based on surveys of real insurance consumers that 86% of them um, could not recall receiving any communication from their provider in the last 18 months. (laughs) And I thought, wow, yeah, talk about I like this. Talk about a gap between this, which is supposed to be a quote unquote relationship industry and the absence of the perception of that in the customer base that struck me as just awfully dangerous. Yeah. And they missed the fact that their policy renewed at some point in that period. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't even notice. I mean, something legally had to go out and they, you know, it didn't even, didn't even measure up. Yeah, it didn't even measure up, right? So, like, when when was the last time you heard? Well, the average the average answer was eighteen months. I can't imagine what yeah. some of the answer. They, I'm sure there were some answers that were uh, never, yeah. <laughs> at least, right? So, yep. how do you factor that into math? Okay, so um, so you you were saying payments, communications, like customer customer expectations or demands. Are there other things that fall into the gap? Yeah, you know, I think as it's it's already started, but as people get more and more used to their smartphones being able to do pieces of the puzzle for them, things like adjusting a claim and having to having to deal with a person coming out to do something, that's starting to stand out. Uh-huh. So you know we've already seen carriers do this kind of thing in adjusting auto claims. You can walk around your car and use your phone, and you know yep. it can it can adjust. Um, I think that it's early days on that still, but it's becoming broad enough or large scale enough that 
the I think we're going to be at a tipping point very soon where someone's going to be like, wait, you mean I have to take my car somewhere? I have to have someone come to my house and can, why can't I just take a picture of it? <laughs> and yeah, frankly, yeah. those solutions are already here. So that's why, you know, I'm, I'm certain that that's going to change very soon because the technology is already out. It needs, the AI needs more exposure to data to get really good at it on the homeowner side, but on the auto mm -hmm. side, it's already pretty good. Yeah. And that's, that's incredible. Like to look at a banged up car and to make a, an accurate enough estimate of the extent of the damage. That's wild. To look at a picture of a banged up car. Yeah. Picture, a picture <laughs> of it or, or a video. Yeah. Either or way. A video, but, right. So I've, I just saw, um, I just saw the same thing with homeowners and, um, you know, with, with property, not just homeowners, sorry. Yeah. Um, and it's, I'm more impressed by that than what I was with the auto side, because even though there's lots of cars and they can get banged up in lots of different ways, there's still a finite universe. Mm -hmm. And with property, even cookie cutter homes are not the same right. because the furniture, you know, the location of the furniture matters, the temperature matter, like all these other factors matter in a way that the steel structure of a car it, uh, doesn't doesn't right. allow that variation to matter as much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, and every every home is built one at a time, where cars are more or less built thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thousands at a time out of a cookie cutter. Okay. Right, so, right. so, so when I ask you, um, it, let, let's complete this. It, so, and then I'm going to circle back to um, what's the implication of this to the agency? Because clearly some of these responses need to be initiated, uh, developed, and delivered at the carrier level. Yeah, right? some of okay. the carrier, some of the agent, some as a combination of the two okay. in collaboration. So, all right, so, I'm gonna, uh, so let's, let's finish this part of the conversation. So, so you've got three themes, customer, employees, and focus. Yeah. And under customers, you started to break it down into uh, payments, communication, and then, you know, like um, I, I'm putting it down as like smartphone technologies, like, you know. Yeah, or self-service self self beyond, beyond just, you know, billing and, and endor you know, like midterm endorsements of, of yeah. just base facts. Okay. Got it. Um, so I think those are things that change. Okay. Um, but really, again, like it's, it's. The point isn't any one of those themes. The point is to figure out what those themes are in your context. And ultimately that means asking your customers. And uh, I keep okay, hearing this like, okay. well, they're not, they're not telling us they want that. Okay. A, are you asking them? B, how are you asking them? And C, what are you doing when they respond? Right. That is, how, okay, how are you listening? Got, got it. Because they may not be saying, oh, you know, Mr. Insurance person, I want to be able to take a picture of the damage, right? Yeah. But they may not be thinking that, right? Right, because uh, guess what? Your insureds are not future technologists in insurance. Yeah, well, it's They're the just old, people. It, it, it's kind of the old Henry Ford, you know, adage, which is, you know, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. But clearly what they wanted was speed. Right. So you have, so to, you have to break it down and you have to listen. There's interpretation that needs to be done at the listener level. Yeah. Right. And, and then you look for solutions to that. Exactly. So, exactly. so let's chunk it up. Let's have fun with this for a moment. <laughs> so, I mean, it does sound, yeah, this does fit in with your earlier theme that uh, they do want, um, I'm, I'm looking for the right word. It's not just convenience, but you know, it, it's, it's through the, through the whole relationship. They want convenience. They want yep. speed. Right. Yep. Um, and but technologies can deliver that. And, and they want communication. Okay. But see, all those things could be convenience. 
And that's why like getting it fast may be your definition of convenience. Yeah. You know, that's why I say like that word to me is is just really broad because there's lots of ways that that can be applied. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When they, they clearly, they, everything you've talked about so far is, it, uh, is I'll use the word friction free. They just don't yeah. want to be hassled. That's right. And so it's, yeah, it's a hassle when I need to, uh, you know, be home. So my claims adjuster can, you know, get up on my roof or, you know, look at the water right. damage. Right. 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 Okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, anything else in that category, the customers? Uh, I mean, again, it's, it's kind of, you need to figure this out for yourself, you know? Yeah, so there's okay. lots of different, lots of different possibilities there and there's stuff I don't know yet, or give it a month and a new startup will be out with a solution that I'm like, wow, how <laughs> oh, did we yeah. live without that? You know? Yeah. No, you give it a month and we're going to have 17 new startups with solutions. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's go to the, your next category, employees. Yeah. How is that different than before? Yeah. So employees is about asking your employees, I mean, treating them like we just talked about the customers, but your employees are the ones living on the front lines with both the customer interaction, but also all the tools and solutions you have and don't have today. And so when they feel pain or when they are hearing something consistently from the outside or missing their ability to serve, or they're, they're feeling encumbered in it, they may not have the answer, but they at least know the pain points or the opportunities. Mm-hmm. I see lots of <clears throat> businesses, and I won't just say carriers, but lots of businesses really struggle with this, where they don't actually listen. And if they do, they might do it as sort of um, like lip service, like, oh, you know, we're going to put together these strategic future teams and, you know, anyone can join, but only below this level, because we want to hear from the people. And the teams yeah. do their, you know, their project and they present it to the leadership and they get like a hundred dollar gift card to Amazon and nothing happens. Yeah. Um, and I see this time and time again. And uh, there's one carrier that really, really talked up their innovation teams and uh, their CEO. Mm-hmm. They have an annual all staff meeting. <clears throat> Everyone wow. comes together at their headquarters and they have a big party. And their CEO started the meeting. Uh, they had just delayed their core system deployment by like six months or something. And he starts with, you know, we're going to have a great day, lots of great Q&A and presentations. If anyone has any questions about the core system, I don't want to hear it. Not a single word today. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. So you're, you're open, you're flexible, you're of the people. No. And I see that kind of thing over and over again. So really involve your people in it. Ask them and don't just be like, oh, they're just a disgruntled employee. They just want more pay. They want this. They want that. They don't appreciate things. Listen to what they're telling you. Um, talk for a moment about core systems. What's what's yeah. the problem there? So core systems are, you know, they're at the heart of, of every carrier. And for the agency, maybe it's your AMS, you know, it's your agency mm-hmm. management system. Yeah, right. Um, they're necessary. They can be major enablers, but they're also gigantic and complex. And a lot of them don't play nice with other systems. Maybe they're older and so they don't have that flexibility or the integrations haven't held up if they were done in the first place. Uh, and the projects to replace them historically have been incredibly painful. Expen- because of expensive, uh, super expensive, uh, much longer time. The scope yeah, right, is right. You know, o- over budget and past uh, the timeline. Yeah. And the, it's never what was <laughs> promised up front. You know, the scope gets contracted and shifts and uh, data is lost and it's not migrated. So you still have the old system around, even though they told you you wouldn't. It's mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I don't know a single carrier who has a happy core system story. And on the AMS side, um, you know, typically it's whatever system they're using, they just 
go the upgrade path with that. And they're probably at least a couple of versions behind because, you know, something in the upgrade is going to break something they do. And so they're like, okay, we got to figure out how we make this work. It's painful. And, uh, and the, the costs are astronomical. And so when you hear people talk about anything core system related, it's usually as a barrier because they're in the midst of a core system replacement project. They're putting one off and so yeah. they're limited by their legacy tech or they did one and they're so scarred. The CIO and COO have probably been fired. And I mean, it's, <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. You know, no, it's rough. I, I know that. Um, okay. And if you get it right, they can be massive enablers. And there's a new generation of core systems that have come out even just in the past couple of years um, that are much more flexible. And they're, you know, they're SaaS based, so they're on the cloud, they're API forward, so they're about connecting to other tools. That to me is the path. And the same story holds on the AMS side. I just think there's a different question when it comes to agencies. Like in the in the carrier side, it's not about do we have a core system or do we do something else? Well, you have to have a core system, a core underwriting billing claim system. And, and, and core, core systems are generally, it's a custom software development, right? They have been. And yeah. the move has been against that. And right. to try to do things that are more about product configuration, which is the right answer, um, as much as that's been touted, though, what ends up getting built is something with customizations on top of that off the shelf. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. But then the problem is you get stuck because you can't upgrade if you do that. So that, that's oh. where it gets tricky. And a big part of it is because people, you know, they go in with the right attitude. That this is our chance to rewrite how we work and we're going to modernize. And then when they go to build it, it's, okay, we need the system to do this. And do this is the way we've always done it. So you have a, a new clean sheet design that's being mm -hmm. broken to follow processes and procedures that were based on systems that couldn't keep up with the need. So in most cases, you end up really hamstrung with the new solution. It's really expensive and doesn't do what you were hoping it would in terms of unlocking capability because you you end up having to resupport this kind of cottage industry of workarounds that you've had over the years. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask you to give me a short answer. This is an important question for me, maybe less so to some of my listeners. Um, how, how, how bad is that situation? Well, in terms of the, the uh, pervasiveness, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the lag and the gap between um, performance and you know, current core system performance and what it should be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally everywhere yeah, um, okay. to different yeah. degrees. Where it isn't at all is in the startups. And this is where their leg up really comes in. Is they build right. their own tech from, from the ground up and they don't have any of that legacy encumbrance to worry about. Okay. All right. Your third area uh, um, is focus. Yeah. What do you mean? So focus is uh, a mix of a few things. W one is shiny object syndrome. You know, there's so many different things you can do. So which one do you pick and do you keep shifting around? And one of the ways to combat this is the case on USAA goes into it is not starting with the technology, but oh, instead yeah. starting with a problem you're trying to solve and staying mm -hmm. true to that. Yeah. So you don't, you don't say, ooh, blockchain or ooh, texting or whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then it's like right. you, oh, get, yeah. you get wedded oh. to the Artificial one thing. Artificial intelligence is, is the coolest new thing. I need to yeah. find some so, shoehorn so we're doing in my an, agency. Right. Yeah. Innovation on AI. Okay. Mm -hmm. well, I don't even know what that means. And so right. you're going to keep shifting around. And, and when something's not working, you stay stuck on that technology because you're wedded to it. Got it. Okay. Versus. Uh-huh. Versus. Versus, you know. We, we've taken two days to get a quote. We need to do it instantly. Okay, well, 
that's the problem we're trying to solve. And there's lots of different technology we can slot into yeah. to deliver that, uh -huh. but not just, you know, instant rating. Okay. I don't, I don't know what that is in particular. And what does that mean for the way that we work and for our customers? Like, how do you deliver instant rating if you're not, if it's not part of a bigger question we're trying to solve for it? Cause the customers didn't ask for instant rating. They just said like, I just, I need this now. Yeah. You know, it's like faster horses, right? right. They, they right. don't understand the bigger picture of it. So you have to figure that out. Okay. Um, well, that uh, complies, um, aligns perfectly with the uh, podcast interview I had about two or three weeks ago with my former um, chief product engineer. Uh, and I asked him, this is for agencies, um, mm -hmm. how should agencies purchase technology? And uh, I don't know that he used the word shiny object syndrome, but agencies suffer that. Um and, and will frequently approach technology that way. I like, oh, this yeah. looks cool. Or, right. oh, um, I like that sales rep. Right. Uh, out, out of the six that I spoke with on unrelated things, I like that guy the best. And, yeah. and his premise was, you have to approach it from the opposite direction. What are the problems in my agency I'm attempting to solve? Um, yeah. Well, my retention is down, so I want to solve that. Or my policy per customer count isn't what I want it to be. I want it to solve that. How can I... What, what, what tools can I find that might be able to solve those problems? Right. And yeah. then ask when you're evaluating providers, ask them those questions. Yeah. Cause that's okay. what you actually want to solve. Yeah. I I've, I've heard so many, um, you know, like grilling kind of due diligence questions that are like, you know, I'm, I'm happy to answer this for you, but if we answer this, is that actually going to move you forward? Like, do, how does that how does that help you solve the problem you're facing? And I don't, you know, I don't say that, but yeah, um, you can yeah. tell like these people are just kind of going through a standard <clears throat> script versus ones who there's a case on Ohio Mutual in the book. And uh, I was the, the guy selling to them and their questions were amazing. I mean, like they knew their stuff and it's because ah. they lived through multiple attempts to solve for texting with their customers. Mm -hmm. And they knew like they knew where they were getting burned. They knew what the whole point of this was in the first place. And it really showed they asked all the right questions and stuff that like, I almost laughed. I was like, I don't even need to present anything to them because they already know the whole reasons behind this. They know what to look for in a solution. Just let them keep peppering us. Okay. And I, so in the absence of that, um, it would seem that they will fall into kind of the conceptual paradigm uh, of the technology provider. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, th and then you get questions like, how long have you been in business? And, you know, we, as a startup, we got that. And when they got the answer, it was like, oh, our CEO won't let us work with anyone under five years. It's like, okay, well, okay, well, well so we'll why? talk to you in four and a half years, right? Right. So yeah, okay, well, we, why? we had three to go, but yeah, it yeah, was like, okay. tell me, tell me what the concern is. And it was just an arbitrary, you know, it's like I see on recruiting, some HR departments are like any GPA under 3.5, we won't look at you. It's like, look, I get you're like a 40,000 person, you know, insurance carrier. You get thousands of, of applications. Yeah, I understand. Right. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's not apples to apples. You know, GPA from one school is not the same GPA at another school. So all you're doing is missing the point of the screening by dumbing it down so much. Uh, you know, right. It doesn't mean it's yeah. easy to solve for, but there, there are more creative things you can do to evaluate solutions. Okay, so let's uh, let's bring this down uh, to kind of the practical application. So you know, as you know, most of uh, my listeners are agency principals, people yep. who are leading and guiding the distribution sector for the independent agency system. Yeah. 
largely. Uh, and, you know, the, the concentric circles around that a little bit. So what, is, what do you think this all means from a, a strategic point of view, a decision-making point of view for agency principles? Yeah, I think that you need to take whatever it is you're working on, whatever your portfolio of, of change products, te- technology projects, et cetera, uh-huh. and set that aside for a minute and go start with your people. You know, and I say like the ones to start with actually are the CSRs. Um, you can tell in different agents where the power in the agency lies. Yeah. And I think most of the answers are actually probably with the CSRs and not with the producers. Well, it in, in, most, in most cases, um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the vast majority of, of income, um, if it doesn't come through the CSR, you know, and again, this will depend on size of policy. Yep. Yeah. It, it is le- it's at least, you know, those relationships are managed and maintained by the CSR. Yeah. But, 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 but I often think that they are, uh, their powers diminished. Right. It, it should be recognized a lot more than it is. Yeah. And what they're hearing is the unfiltered because it's not, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm a business owner and I work with my agent, you know, there's a there's a certain kind of relationship there, but when I get the CSR, it's because I just need this thing done, and so all the filters are off, all the guards down, and I'm just saying things as they actually are. Mm-hmm. So the CSRs might be hearing things that an agent may not ever hear, because it's a different kind of interaction. It's a business interaction. Well, versus- yeah, and it's typically uh, during the course of the relationship, not starting yeah. it or or right. you know, renewing right. it once a year. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it is interesting when I interviewed uh, the principals of an agency and some of the producers, and they told me, you know, what carriers they really support. And then I sat with CSRs, and you saw this is auto uh, policy after policy going through Progressive, and we didn't even know that they represented Progressive. Uh, yeah, and it's because the CSRs could do five Progressive policies. I mean, quote and bind in less time than one of any of those carriers that the broker, that the, uh, you know, the agents in the firm were mentioning. That's remarkable. And it's like progressive yeah. knew who their market was and that's why they ate as much of the agency channels they did. Yeah. Okay. So your suggestion is, is start with them uh, and, and they'll be able to deliver some unfiltered messaging yeah. um, about carriers and probably about customers. Exactly. Okay. And start and start to give you like, well, where are you getting hung up? And if they're not coming up with, with the specificity, you know, talk to them about their day and listen for those spots where it sounds more cumbersome or, you know, tell me about some, some calls you had that were tougher or some, you know, some customer requests that you struggled to meet or where, you know, you wanted to, and you mm-hmm. didn't have the tools to do it. Yeah. And let that guide the conversation then with the insurance. Yeah. So, you know, whether that's, that's one, I mean, this is going to depend on the nature of your business, but whether that's one-on-one conversations or you send out a survey or, you know, you ask them to, to give you feedback or you Mm -hmm. hire someone to interview some of them, or you do it as a group conversation, you're like a focus group, start polling them and, and understand, you know, how can we serve you better? What would you like from us? And one of the upsides of COVID-19 is that people are used to a lot of these tools that you can use to get that feedback. Yeah. You know, and they're not sitting uh-huh. at work. So <clears throat> if they're, if they're doing 30 minutes on a, you know, a focus group on zoom with you, their boss isn't going to walk by and see that happening. So they might be able to get away with it. So. <laughs> okay. Good point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Got it. All right. Um, and then uh, in regards to technology, I, I think you answered that question already. 
<clears throat> yeah, it's, it's got to be. Think, yeah, they should look at it from a problem perspective. Yeah, what do you need to solve for your customer? And the the one thing we didn't talk about is the whole CRM question. And uh, you know, okay. we, we talked about the core system for carriers, and it's yeah, the agency management right, system right, for right. the in, for the agents. Right. I don't <clears throat> know that that the AMS should really be a core system long-term for agencies. Okay. Um, and, uh, hey, I'm, I'm not in any hurry. So yeah. <laughs> uh, as I recall, um, first of all, I, you were the guy who told me about the um, Roper's uh, purchase of Vertifor. So yeah. you're, you're keeping, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank yeah. you for that. Um, and, and I think uh, you mentioned in our last conversation that when you went to InsureTech Connect, maybe it was last year. I didn't yeah, know Salesforce. Year. Yeah, you, you walked yeah. in and like Salesforce owned 10% of the, their huge trade floor. And they own the first 10% of it. Right. So it's, the, the, it's really the first thing you saw. So, yeah. yeah. So what do you think's going on? Well, so I, my, my gut sense is if you look at what an agency is, it's not a records repository, which ultimately is what AMSs are. Yeah, they can transact or they can connect to systems that transact. So it's it's yeah. not fair. You know, people are like, oh, it's just a glorified filing cabinet. Yeah, kind of. It's it's mm -hmm. better than that. But yeah, it's like a filing cabinet with right. a fax machine hooked up to it. Mm -hmm. But that's yeah. not what agents are. Agents are sales organizations and service organizations. And that's what CRMs are about. So for me, to think that an agency exists down the road without a CRM, that that really is the lifeblood of the agent, I see that as hard to fathom. And well, I, having been through enough CRM implementations and knowing like they don't tend to go great, people don't tend to use them, it's a tough nut to crack. But that's a space where I see it adding tremendous value if it's done well. And I don't know that anyone's doing it well yet. I don't know that there's a perfect solution out there. Mm -hmm. but, but that's what I'm watching in the agency channel is what happens on the CRM side. And there are things going on right now. Let's spend a moment on the on the term. Yeah. The term CRM has been around like forever, right? Yeah. Um, and and uh, it's had um, its glory days and it's had its days, uh, uh, you know, of neglect. Um, so in, in your, you know, like uh, in your vision, what does the CRM, uh, how does it perform? What does it do for the agency? That, so, that management systems don't do well. Yeah. So what it, <clears throat> what it does in going beyond the agency management system, it's not about the policies and the, the risk mm -hmm. data. It's about the human. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's the information on the individual, on the business and the marriage of the two. So to know that, you know, John Q public is an individual who you might, you know, you might sell coverage to and, He's this position at this company that you also insure and knowing that relationship and the other relationships that exist in the sort of web of people and, and their connections mm -hmm. um, and then having the information on them, meaning what did we do in relation to that person when, so what outreach, what contact, what response, how have those things, you know, when we ran a marketing campaign, what was the reaction to it? What was taken up? What wasn't? Um, getting those sorts of insights and also helping you figure out, you know what, this is someone you haven't touched in in that 18 months where, you know, they said they haven't heard from anyone. Mm -hmm. CRMs should help you avoid that, but also be mindful of the over contact so that you become, you know, a nuisance. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. up to you how you use it, but the <clears throat> tools are there to have more effective interaction with an individual in an intelligent so way. Are you predicting some disruption in that you know what it's I, been a kind of yeah. a 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want to call management systems, you know, like a legacy core system, but it sounds like you're maybe predicting. It's the analog of that, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean they aren't good. Like there's some fantastic solutions out there, but it's yeah. it's largely been, a, you know, two players for a long time yeah. and they've made their systems dramatically better. But ultimately, uh-huh. they're still agent, agency management systems. The question to me is where do CRMs come in? And I don't think they should be separate systems. I think that's a... You know, it's in the same yeah. way that a claims and underwriting system are separate. Well, what happens when you go to renew the policy? Do you know about the claims? And does claims know about the midterm adjustment? And yeah. it gets messy. Got it. Um, so Got it. I think the integration of the mm-hmm. two. And yeah, I mean, Salesforce having such a large presence, but not having an insurance specific solution out. That's very curious to me. And that's why I say, you know, watch this space literally is like, watch that floor show and see if it's growing Fair or shrinking enough. or, Got it. yeah, okay. And I don't know anything. I'm not, you know, there's no insider information there. I'm just, I, I would watch Salesforce and the like, um, to see, and there's some that are already doing things. There's a company called insured mind that is, uh, you know, they're, they're agency specific CRM solution talking to the core systems. There's, there's things out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Brian, if you were going to knock me off my soapbox for a minute and speak to, uh, to, to, uh, our audience and, and deliver a no, one non-commercial message, uh, what would you want to say? What should they pay attention to? I think the, the very basic thing is a great foundation is this notion of just listening to those other than, than yourself. Um, you know, listen to, your line employees, ask your customers, engage with them. And when they tell you what what they're struggling with or what they need, genuinely hear that and try to do something about it. And that answer may lie within your hands, or mm-hmm. it may mean you need to open up your insurance carrier partners to be able to hear directly from your customers and not have the yeah. same fear of being disintermediated. It, um, there's uh, one message that I think is implicit in everything you've spoken about so far. So mm-hmm. tell me if I'm right or wrong on this. And that is that uh, from an agency perspective, their selection of carriers is it's really important for the modern age. Yeah. Right? And yeah, uh-huh. I'm sorry. If, I don't know if you're. Yeah, that, I, I guess that's 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 my observation about kind of everything you've said, because uh, admittedly, most of your work is happening at the carrier level and you see. Um, a spectrum of innovation, a yeah. spectrum of effective innovation. Yeah. A- and it would seem that in order to satisfy the agency's customer base, clearly, as you've said, there are a lot of things that are outside of their hands. Yeah. It has to do with this, their selection of carrier partners. Yeah, yeah? absolutely. Okay. And that's, it's it's what those carrier partners are doing, but you know I, I mentioned the disintermediation threat. Like that's another big piece of it. If you have a carrier that you don't feel comfortable uh, giving direct access access mm-hmm. to your customers to, yeah, right. you probably shouldn't be representing that carrier. Yeah. Okay. If you can't if you can't trust them enough to talk to the insured who you know they're taking that risk on. Mm-hmm you've got yeah. a different problem. So that's either your own insecurity or yeah. there's something about that, which, or, which it may be, right? Maybe. Or, or maybe the carrier. It could be that carrier. So, you know, there's lots of carriers out there. There are plenty who will stand by you as an agent. And if someone's willing to stand by me, I'm willing to stand by them. If I feel like you're going to cut me, why would I be representing you? Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think you need to pick the right partners to know that you can trust them, that 
you can put them in touch with a customer and let them hear directly from that customer. And it's not going to cost you your business as a result. Got it. All right. Uh, Brian, our listeners should read your book. Uh, so can you tell us, one, how they can get that? And two, if they want to reach out to you or to your firm and you yeah. know, learn more, find out more, how should they do that? Uh, so the book, you know, you can find on Amazon, Audible, uh, Google Play, Apple, all those places, or you can go to future-of-insurance.com and I link up to all the places you can buy it there. That's the book's website. All right. And that's um, the name of the book, Future, the Future, the future of, insurance. of Insurance. Yep. Okay. So hopefully and- it's an easy one to remember. And then me, um, you can find me at insurance-evolution.com. That's my business insurance evolution partners. Uh, we advise people in the industry on how to move forward and have cool conversations like the one that we've just been having. Indeed. Hopefully um, it's helpful. Yeah. Right. Well, this has been a terrific conversation. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.